Welcome to Bachelor in Retrospect. I'm Carrie Rosen. I'm a comedy writer. And I'm Dr. Anne-Marie Navarre-Gill, a media studies professor. We're longtime friends and Bachelor fans. And in this podcast, we're going way back in Bachelor history, recapping old seasons and taking Bachelor deep dives to look at how the Bachelor franchise has evolved and how we can see the world evolve through the show. Join us on our journey through rose ceremonies, weird failed spinoffs, and most dramatic endings ever as we look at The Bachelor in retrospect. Welcome back to Bachelor in Retrospect. We're starting Ashley, her Hebert season? All the, it's, we, it's Hebert, I believe. It's Hebert. French. Or sh- shall we say, as they say in America, Ashley H. We're starting her Bachelorette season, you know, we... Really followed her journey on Brad's season as she retracted with her feelings. And we were very excited and interested to start this one because we knew nothing about it. And I think suffice it to say, we we already understand why this is not heralded as one of the classic Bachelor seasons. Yeah, you know, it's like every time I think there's not like a new way that the Bachelor franchise can like really hit me over the head with something like messed up and miserable. It like finds a way to do something inventive. And I got to say this as exciting as it is to watch some Bachelor that I've just never seen and know nothing about. Boy, did these three episodes feel bad. (laughs) But what's really exciting is how every season we feel bad in a different way. We're ruining men. We're ruining women. We're giving solar geysers to kids in Africa and we feel a little bad for it because at what cost? Yeah, it's very much like, you know, I think I I guess I really when we started this podcast, I expected the ways in which we felt bad and critiqued the show to be similar from season to season. But. Every season has been like a truly new and unique journey. And And I'm loving that. (laughs) I am loving it, too. This season, you know, we talked about on Brad's season how Ashley was not their first choice for Bachelorette, not their second choice for Bachelorette, probably not even their third choice for Bachelorette. Um, And this season is very clearly production just punishing her over and over again for the fact that they didn't really want her to be the Bachelorette. And it is insulting to women. (laughs) So a a big narrative of these first three episodes, and I'm guessing the whole season is Ashley is being, Ashley is insecure because she knows and worries that people didn't want her to be the bachelorette. And they would have preferred Emily. Emily's name more often, but there's even a mention of Chantal. And I was just like trying to be my most generous and put myself in the shoes of a bachelor producer And I could see, like, maybe there's a moment where they're, like, sitting around some office and are like, look, we know no one really expected or wanted Ashley H. to be at The Bachelorette. Maybe instead of, like, trying to, like, convince everyone they did, like, we lean into it and it's, like, an underdog story. And, like, you're rooting for her by the end because everyone was not rooting for her. But it's like, if that was the idea, they still manage to do some needlessly hurtful things along the way. If I'm like being generous to the producers and I'm going to be honest, I'm probably not going to be super generous to them during this season. I'm going to be very critical because I really don't like the way that they're presenting Ashley. And I think it does her a disservice when she's like 
a great and dynamic person. I can see them saying like these insecurities that Ashley has could be relatable to the audience. Like I can see where they thought there was some storytelling here from a non-malicious way, but it just it just comes across as they're punishing her for Brad yeah. for Brad insisting on proposing to Emily, which just like could not be less her fault. I think they were trying to go for beautiful and doesn't know it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do think that is the vibe. Um, but instead, it's kind of like beautiful, but everyone's always like torturing her. Yeah, it's uh, it's a real real bummer. Um. Before but we, we are going to make it really fun. Yeah, we'll do our best. Um, before we start talking about how they sort of set Ashley up as the Bachelorette and why it left us with this incredibly sour taste in our mouth, let's talk a little bit about the year 2011 and what's going on in the world as this season is going on. And I have to say, of all of the times that we have been um, talking about the sort of sequence of events that's going on in the summer of 2011. Like, this is a time that I guess I just have really vivid memories of the current events in the world and in pop culture. Um, I felt like there's just like such a treasure trove of stuff going on. Um, I'm bursting with excitement. Yeah. So I'll just start kind of going down my list that I've made. So in May, um, early in the season, one of the most uh, big news stories of the year happens. Osama bin Laden is killed. (gasps) Wow. I remember I had him in our celebrity death pool. So it was a big time for the SEAL team and for me. Yeah. Um, (laughs) In in lighter news, um, Oprah ended her syndicated talk show. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know whether this is light or not light, but this was when Anthony Weiner was exposed for sending dick pics on Twitter.com and eventually mm. resigned. But like, remember, like, I just I just remember like being in a writer's room during the Anthony Weiner dick pic scandal. Like that was a time of my life. It was so much fun. Um, So the Casey Anthony trial was going on and that was like majorly (laughs) sensationalized. You had like Nancy Grace doing all of that wild stuff about like, you know, did this woman kill her baby? Um, William and Kate got married. I've never understood why anybody in America is like into the British Royal family. And like, if you're going to, (laughs) if you're going to like follow Harry and Meghan, not those weird racist William and Kate, but that was a thing that people like got up in the middle of the night to watch. Um, and then a couple of sort of like longer ranging current event uh, narratives that I want to talk about just sort of like generally and in tying them specifically to this season. So this is a really important time in the germination of the eventual Trump presidency. A couple of things happen right around the time that this season starts airing. One of them is that uh, at the at White House Correspondence Center hosted by Seth Meyers. Obama does a big roast of Donald Trump that a lot of people have sort of pointed to as his supervillain origin story. Um, meanwhile, Trump has also made a big appearance at CPAC, um, the big conservative uh, conference, where he was pushing um, birtherism and the idea that Barack Obama was not a citizen of the United States. And this at CPAC is the first time that he floats the idea that he may run for president in 2016. This is really important. Right. Like, like maybe the day before this season starts airing is when, um, 
Obama released his long form birth certificate in response to what Trump had been doing. But we're starting to see the political gamesmanship that will eventually become Donald Trump running for president. You can't see over Zoom. I have goosebumps. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anyway, I don't I don't know if we're going to tie that story into Ashley's season, but I think it's very important to kind of follow that current underneath the trajectory of this show as a whole. One thing that I do want to tie a little bit more um, to this season in particular and some of the things that come up is that 2011, and particularly the summer of 2011, was globally a really record-breaking um, year for climate extremes um, and a year where a lot of really important climate science came out. Um, and so this is one of this is kind of the year where the term climate change starts to really surpass global warming as the way that we talk about this in the popular consciousness. Um, and uh, this summer is really characterized by major droughts, flooding and tornadoes on every continent, um, all of them like totally record breaking and and really changing a lot of lives. It's also a really big year for research publications that are linking these extreme weather events that people are seeing um, this summer to uh, man-made activities, particularly to the burning of fossil fuels, um, which is really important because in this season, one of the kind of main long-lasting contestants is a solar entrepreneur who talks a lot about alternative energy throughout the course of the show. Um yeah. And another thing that that happened is that the post-red wave U.S. Congress uh, nixed the idea of having a national climate service to, like, do something about yeah. all of the science that's coming out. So I thought all that Jake was – fault. I thought that was really interesting that this is really coming out in – into – like, I think it's reaching a new level of popular consciousness. Obviously, it was something we were talking about before this, but it mm -hmm. was a big year for climate change discourse – and as far as I know, this is the first time we're seeing anything like that talked about on the show with Ryan P. I want to say two things in response to that. One, an interesting thing I noticed is these first three episodes are based out of L.A. It rains a lot for L.A. And I actually noted watching it like, wow, it never rains here that much anymore. So it's interesting to have that as kind of like because they played a lot of it too, like these establishing shots of raining to show that things are tense and sad. But it, what really stuck out to me is it's a, it's raining a lot for L.A. It never will happen again, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Another thing, so something I was saving for what saved the worst but seems very appropriate in this conversation is in episode two, they go to Vegas, but they don't stay in Vegas. There are three dates where people are theoretically flown on private planes to Vegas. Mm -hmm. So we have like Ashley going with a guy and then a group date going and then half the group date coming back early and then the other group date coming back. I don't know how many private planes were used in this mm -hmm. group date, but having three separate groups of people going to Vegas separately not good for the climate. They were definitely on a commercial flight, at least the half that got kicked out of the group date. I'm pretty sure they were That's on a good. I'm pretty sure they were on a commercial flight on the way to the group date as well. I'm pretty sure it's just the one-on-ones that got private planes. But yeah. But still, it's two two one-on-ones and Ashley probably flew separately on a private plane, I would yeah. guess. And there's been, except for our seasons where they are staying in Vegas, there's been a tendency to fly private because that's mm -hmm. part of the date. 
wow, a private plane to Vegas. I can't imagine all of these helicopters are good for the environment either, even though I don't no, know the environmental no. impact of helicopters. Yeah. So Bachelor isn't helping with climate change, except for Ryan P, the solar <laughs> energy ex- yeah. executive. Yes. And Ryan P is very proud and that he is doing good in the world. So he really likes to talk about it. I don't know how to feel about Ryan P. But, but I thought that was really interesting. So let's talk about Ashley and how they framed and sold the idea of Ashley as the Bachelorette when they obviously truly did not want to. Um, So Ashley was announced as the Bachelorette immediately after Brad's After the Final Rose on Jimmy Kimmel Live. Brad and Emily did not do the traditional um, Jimmy Kimmel interview. <laughs> they did wow, really. I can't imagine why. They actually, they actually. I can't remember if I if I mentioned this last time, but they really ducked out of all of the normal post finale press that people do. I think they did the people cover, but I think that's it. Um, that they really like didn't do the interviews. They didn't go on Good Morning America. They like just they didn't do the ABC synergy tour. <laughs> yeah. That, Typically I can see how print journalism would be a better medium for them. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely. <laughs> um, so, so she she's announced. They, you know, Jimmy Kimmel's like joking with her or whatever. And a lot of the re- the initial reaction to Ashley is saying things like she isn't pretty enough to be the Bachelorette. Um, she's too thin skinned to be the Bachelorette. We don't want someone who has has such bad energy to be the Bachelorette, right? And there's definitely people defending her, but, like, the reaction is is not positive and, like, in a way, uh, particularly the stuff about how she's not pretty enough. Ashley is a beautiful woman. It's just, like, very frustrating. So they kind of continue to build a story about Ashley in the months between this announcement in March or whatever – and when the season comes out in May. There's not a lot of time between making the announcement and filming. So they had to react to the response pretty fast. (laughs) Yes. And so the next thing that comes out is a big article about her being announced in People Magazine. I just want to read a little bit of it. Um, So... The fourth year University of Pennsylvania dental student from Madawaska, Maine, is eager for people to get to know her for who she really is and not the insecure woman seen vying for Womack's affection. Quote, a lot of what happened between Brad and me brought out some weird side of me that doesn't define who I am, insists Iber, 26. For starters, Iber is back to her natural brunette hair color. People think this was a change to go dark when actually the blonde was a change. I went back to my roots, says Iber, who hopes to find a guy that quote, makes me feel comfortable, somebody with a positive outlook on life, somebody who's going to be supportive and loyal. Um, And they also like do a little thing about like, what are Ashley's hobbies and interests? They talk about her interest in dance. They talk about her dog, um, that kind of thing. But uh, another tabloid that was kind of um, summarizing uh, this article from People put this a lot more bluntly. And they basically said, Ashley is reworking her image both physical and personality. She has changed how she looks completely. Um, and they've even like d- redone her hair again since she did the makeover for the Women Tell All. It's more kind of like, it was very dark at Women Tell All. And now it's very, it's like the color that her roots were throughout the season, very much kind of a natural look. Um, they kind of redone her brows. They've given her the banks to cover her little Tyra Banks five head. Um, 
and they are really trying to like like uh, another quote from this article she's looking to lose the perception that she's a lovelorn girl desperate for the attention of someone like Brad <laughs> and so basically saying it wasn't her what you saw on, on on Brad's season that's not who she is she looks different she has a different personality she's totally different it's all good um so they're basically like, Ashley, you suck. And what we got to know about you on last season is not bachelorette material. We must completely make you over internally and externally in order for people to want you to be the bachelorette. And she does seem like a completely different person. I agree. They really were successful in this. Um, and I was actually thinking it's like 2011 is the year of transformations. You cannot be the lead on this show unless you really do the work on yourself. Right. And since you're a woman, that means making yourself look hotter. Um, Brad needs three years of therapy. Ashley needs a haircut. Yep. Um, so once uh, she's she's like doing her press runs, right? Her line that she keeps saying about herself. And I think one of the things that's like that comes across in these episodes is how very much like all of this becomes internalized into like self-loathing on Ashley's part because she keeps saying over and over again in these interviews leading up to and shortly after the premiere, who would want to date someone so insecure as the person she showed herself to be on Brad season. So this season is all about not being that insecure person so that someone will want to date her. But even so, like everybody, all anybody is talking about is how like, they clearly didn't want her to be the bachelorette recaps have subtitled this season the bachelorette chantal said no um and like all kinds of just like oh it's 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 ashley and nobody wants this it's funny like it really does mirror brad's in the way that like he was like god how come this process didn't work for me there's something wrong with me With Ashley, it was like, of course it made her insecure. Like, she went on a date with a guy, and then she has to watch him date other people constantly. But, like, saying I'm withdrawing because I'm worried I'm going to get hurt because it's going to be hard for me to watch you making out with all my friends, that's not the show's fault. That's her fault. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, it, it like, it very much is... All of the things that the show is like saying we're wrong with Ashley on Brad's season and all of the things that it's going to continue saying on this season are wrong with Ashley now are Ashley's fault and not the fault of the situation. And it is. It's just like Brad where like the show is the disease. This the structure that they're going through is the thing that's bringing out the characteristics that the show is saying are bad. But here we are. And it's like what you were telling us about therapy in Brad's season of like it's like how a lot of it has become the idea of like blaming ourselves for institutional problems. The bachelor is America. That's why it, this is so important. Exactly. This yes. is really important. Yes. So there's a lot more from this press run that I am going to bring up, but I want us to meet some people, namely a man named Bentley before I start talking about it. So do you want to get us started going through these three tragic episodes of The Bachelorette? You know what, Anne-Marie? Despite all odds, I do. Episode one. Fresh off her confusing breakup with Brad, 
Ashley H. is back as our bachelorette and thinking about what she did wrong. We relive her amazing carnival date with Brad. Remember that? (laughs) But then Ashley's downfall as she experienced retraction. Ashley jogs and thinks about how devastated she was when she said goodbye to Brad. She realized afterward that she was in love with him. Things could have been different if only she told him. She doesn't want to be that person again. So the main things we know about Ashley besides her struggles with retraction are that she's a dentist and she loves to dance. So we see her go to work and then also do some dramatic hip hop style dancing by herself in an empty auditorium. We see her a lot in sports bras and low cut sweats, I think to assure us that she is sexy. Ashley obviously is confident this process can work, but her greatest fear is falling in love and not having her feelings reciprocated. And also she's worried about disappointing the guys. And she says disappointing the guys a lot. And we come to learn that shorthand for they wish someone else was the bachelorette. In Brad's season, the show seemed really determined to tell us that Ashley was too closed off for love and let her career get in the way of living her life. You'd think the show would roll with one of those narratives, maybe? It feels more organic. But she's a different but, person now. She's been reinvented. Right. We can forget all right. the stories we learned about her last season because we have new it stories about how much she sucks. But like, they clearly were like, well, we can't do career again. Allie was a career girl. And like Ashley actually seems to care so much more about her career than Allie did. (laughs) You can only have one career girl per series, unfortunately. But yeah, so the main story about Ashley instead is that she's worried the guys pursuing her will find her disappointing. And Anne-Marie, we're off to a cool and fun start. Uh, It's just like... I understand that they were trying to make Emily be the Bachelorette. But basically, they're not bothering to set up Ashley as a desirable, eligible bachelorette. And it's just like, it's not Ashley's fault that Brad is such a fucking stalker. Um, And I just feel like, you know, they, like, I don't know why they're punishing her for it. Well, it's like, well, they don't set her up as desirable in terms of, like, her personality. They do remind us a lot that she has a great body. That's the work they're doing. Yeah, she's hot, even if she's... She, yeah, she, we see a lot of her bare midriffs. She's dancing sexily. Hey, I, I noticed that, like, more than in seasons past, I think, there was, like, ADR over limos and stuff of, like, men reacting to how hot she is. I did notice that as well. It was odd. Yeah. So it's like they think that what they need to do to make up for it is be like, but she's hot, but she's insecure. <laughs> it feels good. Yeah. No, it feels bad. It's it's really awful immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oof. Anyway, Chris Harrison greets us at the mansion and tells us that Ashley blamed herself for things not working out with Brad, but she's reflected on her mistakes and now is ready for a new romance. But before we continue to tear this lady down, let's meet some of the 25 men who've traveled to meet her. Ryan P says the only thing stronger than the sun is love, and that's a huge deal coming from him because he's a solar energy executive. We also meet Ashley's future husband, JP, and he lives in New York City, and he goes to the Union Square Farmer's Market, and he seems like a normal guy, unlike the rest of the fucking snobs from New York City who've, like, never seen a hot dog before, you know? (laughs) 
Ames tells us he went to Yale, has two masters from Columbia and a doctorate from Harvard, and now works in finance. He says Ashley was his first choice, and I believe him because if there's one thing I've learned from working in comedy is to trust guys who brag about where they went to college. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I will say Ashley is a fellow Ivy Leaguer, so like, you know, I can believe that. You know, and, and she went to UPenn, which is like lower on the Ivy League totem pole than any of the places he went. Yeah. So, you know. But we have, I'd say for the most part, there's not a lot of talking about college on this show. Yeah. And a lot of the times guys who say they went to an Ivy League end up being like a villain. Yeah. Because they're a snob. A lot of times that is the case. I do find it interesting that sure. they <sighs> never bring up ever that Ashley is an Ivy Leaguer ever. No. Ever. Not on Brad's season, not on this one. We meet future bachelor Ben Flanick, a winemaker from Sonoma. So we'll talk about Ben more, of course. But just to say right now in our introduction of him, like not having watched his Ben season, but having like, you know, I've seen my fair share of like lists and graphics about bachelor statistics, you know, And all I really ever processed about him was hair. You know, he has long hair. And also, I think it's sometimes rumored to date, like, celebrities. So my impression of him based on that was he is, like, a goofy, fun guy. He is not. (laughs) The Benef we meet here has no personality besides wine. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's the same personality we'll be on his season. (laughs) Oh, no. He leans against barrels of wine and drinks more wine. So then there's Bentley, who's a divorced dad with a daughter named Cozy. He just started a family fun center and he hopes the bachelorette is Emily. It's wild that they left him saying that in there. Just another example of how they are undermining Ashley at every turn, because we know this this always happens because they always ask people who they hope is going to be the lead. After the fact, people always come out and say they were kind of had somebody else in mind. They don't put it on the show, though. And except for on the Brit Caitlin season where it's like a source of drama who they voted for. And that, you know, feels bad in a totally different way. But like it just them, including in this intro package, I want The Bachelorette to be Emily is so hostile. William from Ohio shares that his dad died from complications due to alcoholism which I imagine they included in here because that's something he shares with Ashley. Ashley arrives at the mansion and gets to talk to Chris Harrison in the chair room. He's back. Ashley says she never thought she'd be here, which the lead always says, but with Ashley, it has the extra layer where she was like fifth choice. She tells Chris how watching the show back, she could see how much Brad cared about her and she looked like a fool because she was trying to not look like a fool by retracting. Now she's ready for her turn And she's open and hopes she can find love here. Chris asks Ashley what she's scared of. And she says she's worried the guys watch the show and will be like, eh, it's Ashley. And also, obviously, she's worried that they're not here for the right reasons. Speaking of which, she shares that a past contestant she was close with gave her a heads up that someone named Bentley isn't here for the right reasons and just wants to promote his business. As soon as she says, like, I heard from a past contestant, I was like, it must be Michelle Money. I know. You know immediately yeah. who it was. Especially especially because you've seen that Bentley is from Utah, like Michelle. But, like, I didn't know that Michelle was from Utah. I hadn't processed that. 
And then I went and looked it up and I was like, yep, it just is something she'd do. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but despite the heads up, she's going to give Bentley a chance and act like she never learned anything about this. If she gets hurt, so be it. She just doesn't want to have any regrets. Chris tells her they have all sorts of guys here. A chef, a single dad, a fellow dentist. This is a better example of different kinds of guys than Allie sees in when it was like a businessman, a lawyer, and an executive. <laughs> With an encouraging reminder to have no regrets, Chris brings Ashley to greet her men. Before we greet the men, I do want to, I just thought of here... Allie's narrative, not exactly her narrative, but when she had her sit down with Chris, she also said a lot of like, I'm just worried that in the end, I'm going to choose someone who doesn't feel the same way about me or that someone's like not here. And Chris was like, ah, you're worried someone's not here for the right reasons because it wasn't as much of a thing then. Mm -hmm. Allie didn't have that extra layer of I'm worried they're going to be disappointed, but it still is now a theme of I'm worried that the guy I like isn't going to like me. Mm -hmm. Which sometimes they do for the men, but not as often. Yeah, I mean, not to this level. And usually they do it only in the final episode with men, where with The Bachelorettes, we start from episode one and just hammer it all the way through. But you know who I think had that narrative? What? Zach and Clayton, who are both people that we'd be like, Oh, okay. When you heard that they were The Bachelor. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I guess they just try to put that for women and men that people aren't excited about. Yeah. <laughs> so we start our limo exits. Right off the bat, I'm going to say we are again in a season with only white contestants. Not only are they white, they all look like they are guys from Mad Men. Like not a Don <laughs> or a Roger, but a Ken Cosgrove or a Harry. Or um, I feel like actually like all of them or like at least a solid third of them look like that guy that Joan married on Mad Men. That was really bad news. Yeah. Like they, like everyone's everyone looks exactly like him. All these guys are a Ken or a Greg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I cannot tell these men apart. They are all named Chris or Ryan and they all have the same <laughs> face. Hey, that's not fair. There are also two Ben's. <laughs> There are? <laughs> yes, Ben F and Ben C. Oh, right. And like both of them actually like have a lot of screen time. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you're listening and learning, Anne-Marie. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry that I, you know what? No, I'm not sorry. I'm going to keep talking about white men like this. Yeah. Another interesting thing I found about the men in this limo exit, a lot of like broad New York accents. Vi like... Like, they seemed like they were doing bits, but they weren't. It was just their like, voices. Like, between that and the fact that they all looked like they could be on Mad Men, I was like, did everyone just, like, turn up to the wrong audition or something? Yeah. It was a lot of, like, hey, Ashley, I'm coming for you. Have some pizza. <laughs> hey, Ashley, what do I know? I'm just a butcher from New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> so uh, Ryan P the solar executive is the first one out of the limo Mickey a chef says I have something to give you from all the men in America as an homage to Chantal's iconic limo exit but Mickey goes to kiss her instead of slapping her <laughs> this really feels like he was uh, looking for Chantal expecting it was going to be Chantal yeah. Yeah. yeah that would have worked better yeah. but like he, surely he found out 
and someone should have been like, maybe we should adjust this. You would think, but they really want to, like, you know, in ways subtle and unsubtle, they just want to be constantly yeah. reminding us that, that Ashley is neither Emily nor Chantal. Then we get Jeff, who wears a mask. It's black and covers the top half of his face. It's more like a Batman than a Phantom of the Opera. He explains that he's going to wear his mask all night so Ashley can learn who he is on the inside. Jeff gets the distinction of getting creepy Chantel funeral home type music, but also someone's being kooky music. <laughs> in general, the guys on this season seem less aggro than Allie's guys, but something they do have in common with them is that they do not trust a guy with a gimmick. The way they were immediately so mad the wrestler was a wrestler, they're like, what the hell, this guy's wearing a mask. (laughs) And it seems like a lot now. By the time he's been wearing it 24-7 for days and days and days, I am on their side, however. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll talk about the masked man's dilemma. Yeah. I would say- By Arthur Conan Doyle. (laughs) I would say that, like, if Allie's guys seemed really aggro, these guys have a very, like, collective manic energy as a group. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, I'm interested to see now Emily's season. I do feel like we're seeing the shift from chaos to strategically trying to make this a thing. Yeah. So they're less wild, but they channel their wildness into, like, being upset about the game and how people are playing the game, if that makes yeah. sense. So, yeah, they demand Jeff take his mask off. He doesn't. They're furious. Ben Flannick comes out of the limo with wine glasses because he's a winemaker, remember? They both take a sip, and Ashley says it's delicious, and he's like, I made that. <laughs> One thing about Future. this night as a whole is that, like, so many of the guys, Ben Flanick being one of them, but, like, by no means even the worst offender, feel like they are advertising businesses to Allie. Yeah. Not Allie. To Ashley. I just make pizza, Ashley. Come try my pizza in Staten Island. <laughs> no one says that. I'm sorry. Pizza entrepreneurship won't be a thing for another 10 years. Oh, right. <laughs> But we do have a butcher and a chef and a winemaker. Together, we could open a restaurant for sure. And we can use the solar panels to power it. Yeah. And also, and then we have Ben who makes the wine and Tim who distributes liquor. Yeah. We got a full bar. Yeah. Ashley's future husband, JP, does a really normal exit where he's just like, hi. They hug twice. The infamous Bentley comes out, and Ashley says she's nervous to meet him. And it very specifically seems like, like, oh, it's you. But he does not process this, and it's just like, yeah, hi. (laughs) Like, that makes sense. (laughs) Finally, we get Constantine, who looks like Ben Flannick, but with more personality. (laughs) It is actually wild. Like, I know I said all these men look alike, and so, like, maybe my credibility on this is shot. But, like, Ben Flannick is, like, largely memorable as a bachelor for being distinctive looking. And there is another man on his season, and they will both go pretty far, and they look like twins. But the one who isn't the bachelor is better looking. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, in general, it seems like we are inching toward the popularity of fun limo exits. As we talked about a little earlier, there was a lot more ADR of like, wow, she looks beautiful. Oh, my God. She looks amazing. Look at her. Ashley tells Chris 
She thinks her husband is here. Then as she goes to mingle with the guys, Ryan P. steals her first. He tells her he's excited it was her specifically that was chosen as the bachelorette. And that line in general goes over very well with Ashley. Ben talks more about wine. His favorite wine is Cabernet. And he reminds her that the wine that she drank earlier, he made that. A guy comes out with a guitar and Ashley is like, I can't believe there's a guy who plays the guitar. And I was like, oh, no. But then it turns out to be a ruse and the guy throws the guitar into the pool and we never see any guitar playing, (laughs) which was like a wonderful upside to this season. Yeah, that was a great twist. And I think especially after Allie's season, when every it seemed like every episode we were learning about a new guy with a guitar or a ukulele that it just like ended so now it seems like that's done and we're making fun of it. Yeah. It seems like perhaps these men have finally learned that this is not a way to launch your music career. <laughs> yeah. And also, However, we do have- they do think it's great for advertising your solar business, your family fun center, your wine business, your butcher shop, and all the other <laughs> things that they have done. <laughs> your bakery, your candle making shop. <laughs> William shares that he is a 30-year-old boy and wants to act like a little kid forever. And also, he does great impressions. They're not very good. No. (laughs) The guys continue to be very mad about the guy in the mask, especially Tim, who proceeds to get super drunk and ends up passing out and is sent home in a van before he really realizes what's happening. Ashley has a nice first chat with JP where he tells her a story of how he got the nickname Cupcake at work. And Ashley says she's always wanted her nickname to be Cupcake. Finally, Ashley talks to Bentley. He tells Ashley how his daughter is everything to him, and she's completely won over. I guess we're still in an era where single dads are, like, rare. So just saying, I miss my daughter, does a lot for you. She asks Bentley to promise he'll be honest with her, and again, he doesn't seem to realize that this is unusual. (laughs) And he promises that he'll be honest, and that's enough for Ashley, and she feels that he's really genuine. Ashley goes to give the first impression rose and she gives it to Ryan P. But I noticed he was seated between Bentley and the guy with the mask. They clearly wanted to have us like give us a moment where we thought it would be one of them. Bentley is mad that he didn't get the first impression rose, even though he's not overtly attracted to Ashley. He's competitive. Then it's time for the rose ceremony. Jeff with the mask shockingly gets the first rose. The last rose, of course, goes to Bentley. Ashley toasts the guys. She thinks her husband is in this group. In a preview for the whole season, we see an ambulance and are meant to believe someone dies. (laughs) I will say again, no one is going to die on the show. Uh, So before we move on to episode two, I want to just chat a little bit about Ashley as Bachelorette. Like, just we touched on this earlier, but her vibe is so different. She is so upbeat. She is so, like, laughing at everyone's jokes and happy to be there. You may recall I said Brad Womack had camp director energy. (laughs) (laughs) I realized that, like, so to be the lead, you need to have camp counselor energy. Yeah. Camp director, you're too nervous. You're just thinking about logistics. I think Allie was, like, a camper who was, like, the queen bee And then she became a counselor and thought all her friends were going to be counselors with her, but they weren't. And she was like out of her depth. (laughs) 
But Ashley is a camp counselor. She's rallying the troops. She's fun. She's charming. She wants everyone to have the best summer ever. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, it's so weird to me that they. So different from the kind of like mopey retraction emotion. Like, and I like, I don't think there's anything wrong with the way that she was on, on. It was perfectly normal. It's a weird situation. Yeah. But it just, like, it very much seems like they said, Ashley, your personality is bad. No one will like it. And she just is going so hard into trying to present herself as positive and upbeat and thinking everything is so funny and everybody is so great. And, like, I don't know. I kind of miss her more three-dimensional self, you know? Yeah. So, episode two. As is customary in the second episode, Chris greets the guys and explains how dates will work. He leaves the first date card, and it's for William, the forever little boy. (laughs) The date card says, William, want to make a splash in Vegas? I do. Love, Ashley. Even though Ashley has a date to get to, she has a little time in the morning to sit by her pool and think about how she's worried she's going to fall for someone who doesn't feel the same way. Then she goes in her bachelorette convertible and picks up William. She drives him to take a private plane to Vegas. This is earlier than we've done Vegas before. And it also seems like whatever deal they had going with the Aria is over now. So instead of all of them staying somewhere, everyone's going back and forth from Vegas, which, as we mentioned before, is not good for the environment. Yeah, they're going to be at the Bellagio for a lot of this. And then later, they'll be at the Monte Carlo and Mandalay Bay. Those, I think, are all in the same ownership group. And they don't do the work of making it look amazing the way they did with the Aria. I mean, part of that, though, is that, like, aesthetically, the Aria and City Center, where it is, are very different. They are much more modern. They are, look mm-hmm. much better. The places that we are at in this episode are traditional Las Vegas kitsch. Ashley tells us she's not sure how ready William is to get married, so she's going to put him to the test. First, they go and try some cake, which isn't that suspicious, but then they go and look at rings. William tells us that even though he's a cellular phone salesman, he's always dreamed of being a stand-up comedian, which might explain why at this date he's doing a good job, yes, anding. This so is ring some powerful foreshadowing. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) The ring saleswoman asks when the wedding is, and he says right away, next summer, Mm -hmm. just thinking this is an improv exercise. Mm -hmm. And then Ashley goes, actually, it's tonight. Like, Ashley, you're never supposed to say no. You'd say, yes, it's next summer, and we want to purchase our rings because we're traveling around the world until then. You know? Yes. (laughs) I also just want to point out that this is not a Neil Lane jeweler. It is a Fred Layton. And that just seems like the bachelorette is cheating. Well, maybe it's because they don't want to imply that Neil Lane could be for a mock engagement. Maybe. It's real with Neil Lane. (laughs) That should be his slogan. (laughs) Then they go to a wedding chapel and Ashley walks down the aisle and I think she's expecting William to be like, ah, what's going on? But obviously, he knows they're not really getting married. He rolls with it and hands her some flowers in a vase to be her bouquet. The minister starts the ceremony. William says, I do, because you never say no in an improv exercise. <laughs> and then, in, like, Ashley's talking heads are supposed to feel like this has any sort of real stakes to it. And she's like, I can't get married. I have 17 guys left to consider. So when it's her turn, she says, I do eventually, but not yet. 
Then Ashley and William get to do something no one's ever done before. They take a boat out into the middle of the Bellagio Fountains and have dinner on a platform in the middle of the water. Platform in the middle of the water dinners, they don't get as much credit as helicopters or rooftop hotel bar and pools, but platforms in the middle of water to have dinner is like like an important member of this family. <laughs> They're consistent. They're coming back a lot. Yeah. And we see them like take a little boat out to this one. I liked it. Yeah. I don't know. I have to say I didn't find this like like when I think of the water like in a fountain, I imagine it kind of being like like it's a small world water. Yeah. So it didn't feel like glamorous at all. Yes. It was just kind of like silly. And also because the Bellagio Fountain is so famous for its like water show, any time 24 hours a day, there are like hundreds of people on the railing waiting to watch the the water show. And so there's like a lot of people like yelling at them like, hey, Ashley, and like some probably 80 yard. We're so happy you're the bachelorette. But <laughs> it really didn't feel like a good spot for a conversation because you're so on display. Yeah. But off of that, like, hey, Ashley, we love you, Ashley. William's like, women love you. And Ashley's like, I hope some men love me, too, which sad. <laughs> Then little boy William shares his backstory <laughs> in a traditional second part of the date sharing of the trauma. He says family is important to him. And then he shares that he lost his dad six years ago to alcoholism. And he shares some really brutal details, like that his dad was left beaten at the side of a road once. And you can see Ashley kind of like recoil in shock, like not in like a negative way, but just like, oh my God, I can't believe we're suddenly like, talking about something so awful and he's like I don't have to say this and she's like no it's okay um so like it made me feel like we're definitely transitioning into the era of like the trauma is part of the dinners but like not it's still early enough that Ashley didn't expect this yeah it, it it's like a tonal shift that's there I also thought it was very interesting that like we felt like last season was like a big step into this trauma at dinner situation mm -hmm. and that it's it's being more solidified here but that in both cases Ashley with Brad and now William with Ashley we have mirrored trauma with the lead as the very first date and I want to be paying mm. attention to that because I don't yeah. I don't think it stays like that forever but it does feel like that's something that's like a lever they're specifically manipulating as we move into this era where uh, vulnerability equals sharing of trauma. Yes. And vulnerability equals sharing of trauma equals ready to fall in love. Yeah. Ashley tells William that their date was amazing and fun, but she's looking for something serious. And he has all the quality she wants. It was a classic but fake out. She offers him the rose. He accepts. Back at the house, the guys have been bullying the guy with the mask and waiting for the group card date. The group card date comes and says, in Sin City, boys will be boys. Jeff with the mask isn't on this date, which is too bad because he's been waiting for his first date with Ashley to reveal his face. The guys fly to Vegas and meet Ashley at the Monte Carlo. Then they go see a band called the Jabberwockies, which, per wikipedia.org, is an American hip-hop dance crew. And their genres are hip-hop, b-boying, and popping. Okay, so let me, can I like tell you a little bit about the Jabberwockies? <laughs> yes. Okay. So, Did I not sound like an expert? <laughs> I mean, 
Uh, sure. Like I also I just wanted to say b-boying. I also read their Wikipedia page, but I actually like remember them from. So in like in 2008, like kind of off of like how much of a ratings powerhouse um, American Idol had been for a number of years. Randy Jackson got an MTV show called Randy Jackson's America's Best Dance Crew. And for some reason, I watched this show. It doesn't seem like something that I would watch, but the very first season, which was the only one that I watched, it was won by the Jabberwockies. Um, and so basically it was just like hip hop dance groups like I, like and I remember this being kind of a thing like when we were in college, there were always like t- like hip hop dance groups practicing around campus when you would be walking around in the evening. Do you not remember really? this? Yeah, there were like no. There were like so <laughs> many hip hop dance crews at USC. There really were. I, I promise you. Anyway, I probably started watching this because like I knew a couple of people who were in those. I don't know. Anyway, I watched it. I was rooting for them. They were fun. It was a pretty successful show. People kind of knew who they were. They had like a brief pop culture moment. And then at the end of their brief pop culture moment, they went to do this Vegas residency. I do feel like we are in a really hot era. In 2011, we have like America's Got Talent. So you think you can dance like. Like we probably have a lot of musical acts coming our way that could have had their start on a reality show like that. Yeah, I mean, we're like we're very much like we're we're almost 10 years into the real revitalization of reality as a genre. And so like I think it's it's kind of like it's maturing into its 21st century form. Um, Obviously, there was reality TV before this, but. Um, not not nearly as much as there starts to be in the 2000s. And so I think like a lot of things, you know, on Bachelor Pod, we had crossover with another reality show. I think we'll see a lot of that around this time. That's fun. But yeah, the thing with the, the Jabberwockies is that they wear masks and perform as a unit. So there's no star of the Jabberwockies, not unlike the men of The Bachelor. <laughs> The men are so entranced by the performance, they don't even notice that Ashley has snuck away. And she goes backstage and like sneaks around, ends up rising up from under the stage in a sports bra and sweats and a white mask. Ashley tells the guys they'll be rehearsing with the Jabberwockies, so they'll need to break into two crews. The better crew will be allowed to stay and rock the show with the Jabberwockies. The other crew will have to go back to L.A., May the best crew win. So the two crews have to come up with their own choreographed routine. And Ben suggests his group make theirs like a rose ceremony. And Constantine suggests they make theirs like a wedding ceremony. <laughs> and it's just a nice little thing where two very similar looking guys have very similar ideas. <laughs> it's pretty funny, actually. Yeah. I couldn't I couldn't actually for a while tell which group was which because I can't tell mm-hmm. them apart. Yeah. And you know, the, the dances were so similar. Um, you know who really should have been on the date was the guy in the mask already because it would have been funny for him to have to put a mask over his other mask. <laughs> it would have been funny. Yes. <laughs> Ashley jumps into both groups in their rehearsals and the show is really leaning into her love of dance. The two crews do their dances. Neither is very good, but the rose ceremony one is deemed the winner and the other group is sent back to L.A. Then I guess they have to perform in the real show now. I honestly, like, because everyone was in a jumpsuit and mask, I really had a hard time tracking what happened here. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think they're on stage for, like, 30 seconds. 
in the show. Like, I don't know. I'm just going to say, like, the Jabberwockies are really good dancers, and it's really cool to watch them perform. And if I went to a Jabberwocky show and these, like, buffoons were on stage, I would be pissed. But it was weird because there was, like, now you guys, like, have to rehearse with the Jabberwockies for real. They have to learn a new dance. And, like, there's not really that moment of, like, surprise, you're going to be in the real show. But it, like, happens. Yeah. But yeah, they wear the costumes. They're like jumpsuits with silver sequins and silver masks and white gloves. Um, But like, meanwhile, Ashley rehearses with a real dancer. And like, you get the vibe that like she might actually be in the real show. It's not like the other ones we've seen where like there's no proof that this actually happened as part of the show. She does a thing where she's like kind of a conductor and the Jabberwockies move like puppets. And you can actually see the audience in the shot with her, which is a first. (laughs) Yeah. Ashley is like, wow, I see why this is America's best dance crew. She also says that this was an amazing opportunity. That's like a fairy tale she could only dream of. And I'm like, girl, you were just in Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> right. This is like not even the like first a month time. Ago. This is not even the first time this year you've like randomly got started <laughs> you a Vegas. Vegas. Show. <laughs> so then they have an after party at a hotel pool, but it's on the ground. It's not on the roof. Huge. Ashley decides to treat the night like she's having individual one-on-ones. She discusses with Blake, the fellow dentist, whether they're too similar because they're both dentists. A guy named Wes tells Ashley that he's reserved and closed off because he was married and his wife died after they'd been together nine months. Ashley thanks him for sharing that. Wes feels it went really great. So can I talk about this a little bit? I've yes. Got- I've got something to tell you about West and his dead (gasps) wife. Oh, no. (laughs) Okay. So in the like press that is going on around the start of the season, there's press about Ashley and how inadequate she is. There's press about Bentley and how he's going to like overshadow the season. We'll talk more about that Mm -hmm. later. And then there's a third story that's like all over the tabloids, particularly the sort of sketchier ones. Um, But it kind of becomes a thing throughout the season that people are like talking about and debating. And like even in like Entertainment Weekly and stuff in recaps, people write about this because it's like so crazy. Okay, so West Mm -hmm. tells his story here. Um, and he's very much like he had an intro package that we didn't talk about where he's like very much kind of positioned as like a male Emily. It doesn't work quite as well, but like, oh, sad, sympathetic widow or he know, doesn't have a kid. He doesn't have a kid. But his dead wife's family mm-hmm. is going around talking to all of these tabloids and being like, Ashley needs to stay away from this man. And so what these articles say, they're like, well, like the family is like very heavily insinuating that West maybe murdered his wife. And like all the articles are like the police investigated and her death was ultimately ruled an accident. And so the family is like not saying this outright, but they're very clearly insinuating it. And then and saying things like at a minimum, he was her enabler with substance abuse which put her in the situation where she had this accident where she drowned. Um, oh, my God. But I didn't even like this. So didn't register as like a big part of the overall story. I went right over it. But like the story is that the he shares is that like she had a seizure in the bath and then drowned. Yes. So this is like an, an undercurrent 
of like, and I haven't because I think he's he's still in, and whenever he gets out, I'll like look for any interviews he did and see if he addresses any of the rumors. I haven't like looked at that, but this early like this early season, this was a big tabloid story that people were talking about. Oh my was God. like, did West kill his wife? <gasps> Did he kill his wife and go on The Bachelorette and then didn't even register enough with me to make my episode one recap? Sad. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, I like. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, it's it's like it's very dark and like, you know, obviously, like very much the the probably the darkest thing that has ever been a gossip story around The Bachelor. Yeah. Well, and, it's so like yeah. so often in like recent years, there's like fans sleuthing out stuff about male contestants online and being like, "Hey, like, look, we have this proof that like this guy went like was like charged with sexual assault," and they're like, "Oh man, like we're sorry, we'll do better." And like the show acts like this is kind of out of their control, but also that this is like a relatively new phenomenon. Mm-hmm. But clearly. <laughs> Right. And like, I mean, I mean, again, the investigation <laughs> ruled this an accident and every article like has this like almost in like big bold type at the top as they then go on for paragraphs insinuating that he's maybe a murderer. And if not a murderer, a negligent bad influence that indirectly caused this death. So anyway, Oof. I know, like, like I I feel like there's like not a graceful way to get back off of this topic because it's so fucked up. But I know, I mean, well, next we're going to talk about Bentley, and I thought we were really hyping up to the villain, but now it's like I don't know. Yeah, is Bentley as bad as that? I mean, I think like Bentley may be a psychopath, but as far as I know, he hasn't killed anyone. He's just a liar. Yeah. So Bentley says he'll be pissed if he doesn't get the rose on this group date. And he didn't really do anything at all that stood out on this group date. He's just competitive. Bentley thinks Ashley is a beautiful girl. She's a great body, an amazing butt, rocking legs, and having her tickle his bleep would be amazing. The competition makes it exciting, but that's the extent of his interest. She's not his type. Bentley has time with Ashley and teases her for giving him the last rose the first night and says it would be hard to see her with other guys. And Ashley's like, wow, you're just like me on my on Brad season. Then somehow things escalate. And then she's like begging Bentley to stay. She's like, if you feel anything for me, you have to stay. She gives him a rose to thank him for staying. Also because he has a daughter. So he presumably has given up a lot to be here. Now that Bentley has gotten a rose, he wants to bag this. Go play blackjack. All right. Yeah, I mean, this just seemed like a scene where he was, we obviously didn't see a lot of the conversation, but he was successful at negging and emotionally manipulating her into giving him the group date rose. Womp womp. Yeah. Back at the house, the final date card comes and it says, Mickey and JP, love is a gamble. I'll see one of you in Vegas. And it comes with a giant novelty coin that has the guy's faces on either side. And they have to flip it to see who gets to go to Vegas. It lands on Mickey. So Mickey goes to Vegas and they go to somewhere called the Oriole. And they're like these giant towers of wine bottles. And then they start just flipping a coin to decide everything they're going to do. Are they going to have red wine or white wine? Who will be lifted to the top of the tower to get the wine? 
Will I walk alongside you or will you give me a piggyback ride? This date is extremely boring and has such a vibe of something else fell through. There is no reason this date specifically had to be in Vegas. All they're doing is flipping a coin. This could be anywhere. But yeah, I think something else must have fallen through because like they end up having dinner just like on a coffee table at a hotel room. Yeah. Well, I think this is the date that's at Mandalay Bay. And like I have famously mm-hmm. never been to Mandalay Bay because it's full of fish and I'm afraid of them. Right. Um, so this is I like normally I can I, I, I know so much about Las Vegas that I can like decode these Vegas dates. This one, I cannot tell anything about where they are or the geography of it or what they are doing. <laughs> Like, there's got to be some body of water they can eat in or near, right? What's going on? Somehow the coin flipping turns into, like, a truth or dare thing. Ashley says the last time she cried was watching her season when everyone was so critical of her. She says she thinks tears are strong, not a weakness, because it's good to show your emotion. Mickey shares with Ashley that his mother passed away and a traditional sharing of the trauma. Ashley pretends to flip the coin to decide if she's going to give him a rose, but reveals she was going to give him the rose either way. Then they go for a walk on the beach, which is actually the back of the Mandalay Bay Hotel. And there's a surprise concert there from someone named Colby Collate. Did you know who this was? Yeah. She had a couple of hit songs around this time or shortly after. She's also a feature on Taylor Swift's Fearless album, which is probably where I most know her from. Yeah, so Ashley and Mickey kiss as they wade in the water. Back in the house, vibes are tense, which you can tell because it's raining. All the guys are still angry about Jeff wearing a mask. He waxes poetic about accepting people for who they are. The subtext is, I wouldn't have done this if I'd known everyone would bully me like this. And the only thing really keeping it going at this point is that he doesn't know like how to land the plane. and production is gonna make sure that he doesn't (laughs) yeah i think like he really missed his opportunity like he should have whipped off the mask as soon as he was handed a rose the first night that was like now that that you've accepted me here's my face but now there's like all this buildup. yeah he's done he's done too much He's taken the bit too far, and however it ends now is not going to be pretty. I mean, at the end of the day, he's just going to be some guy. Yeah. (laughs) JP is very frustrated that he didn't get the date and thinks Mickey is going to come back with a rose. And I just noticed that, like, this is real growth from Allie's season when no one thought anyone would (laughs) ever come back with a rose. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't think these guys are less competitive with each other than Allie's season, but they're just just, like so much less hostility to that competitiveness. And like, and I think as we enter the like spinoff era, they're getting a little savvier. They're watching the show because it matters now. Yeah. JP pulls Ashley first at the cocktail party and Ashley gives him not very subtle hints where she's like, I would have loved to see you in Vegas. I see really good things for you ahead. She initiates a kiss with him, which she says is unlike her. Little boy William gets on everyone's nerves by doing (laughs) impressions. And then he does the ultimate faux pas of stealing Ashley, even though he already has a rose. And Nick is like, ding dong interrupted my time with Ashley. And they're all like, who's ding dong? And he's like, William. And then they're like, okay. And then they all accept that Ding Dong is William's nickname now. (laughs) The other main narrative of this cocktail party is, of course, that Masked Jeff has decided that this is the night he will reveal his face. (laughs) (laughs) 
He pulls her aside and tells her he had a brain hemorrhage when he was 29 and it messed up his short-term memory. He divorced his wife over untruthfulness and now he doesn't take anything for granted. Divorcing your wife over untruthfulness kind of sounds like you cheated. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, you don't know. He doesn't take anything for granted. Jeff's about to take off his mask, but then someone comes and interrupts, clearly sent in by producers, in a way that reminded me of when Casey was going to show Allie his tattoo, but then Frank appeared. (laughs) Then Bentley decides he needs to kiss Ashley tonight, even if he has to force it. Seemingly with no heads up, he picks her up and carries her to the fireplace. She seems to love it. And then he's like, are you getting tired of talking? Let's not talk. And they make out. Then in voiceover, he says, it started out good, but got boring. And the phrase, it started out good and got boring, could be about a lot of things, but the show wants us to think it's about kissing Ashley. Meanwhile, Ashley says she has a good radar for sincerity, and she thinks Bentley is sincere. Before the rose ceremony, Chris Harrison gives the guys the heads up that Ashley has strong feelings for several of them, and she thinks her husband is standing in this room. Ashley's first rose goes to West. Mask Jeff gets a rose pretty early, which is surprising. The last rose goes to Blake, the dentist she worried was too similar to her because dentists are all the same, which is offensive. <laughs> no one of note goes home, really, but they're all pretty mad. The guy in the mask beat them. Episode three. Chris Harrison gathers the guys to let them know Ashley sees her husband in this room and to give them the first date card. It's for Ben C, and it says, love strikes in a flash. Ashley picks up I knew immediately what this is going to be, and I wanted to die. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't because I forgot about this part of culture. Ashley picks up Ben in her bachelorette convertible, and Ben C tells her he's been jealous of the incredible dates the guys have been getting, and she promises she has something incredible planned for him, too. Her special surprise is that she's been working with Flash Mob America, to choreograph the perfect flash mob. But Ben doesn't know about the flash mob part yet. To start, they just go to a dance studio and learn the dance that Ashley choreographed herself. Ben is honored that Ashley took him to a dance studio when dancing is the thing she loves to do the most in the world. But like, there's so much dancing. I would rather see a date where he like helps her fill a cavity. Like they should have (laughs) leaned into the dentist thing more. Like every bachelorette loves to dance. This just feels like Tenley, but not kind yeah. of. I don't know. But it's like half the people on Dancing with the Stars are former bachelorettes, you know? This isn't yeah. unique like a dentist bachelorette is. I thought of yeah. some taglines that it could have been. Could have been the doctor is in or brace yourself for the most dramatic season ever. Yeah. I mean, that's very, that's very like Pilot Pete expect turbulence. I like it. Yeah. It would have been so much better. And all this dancing stuff is so like we see it every season. Yeah. But I mean, I guess like the thing the thing that the show is telling us again over and over again is that Ashley and the things that make her different and unique and the person that she is is not bachelorette material. So they're trying to get Ashley to act like a bachelorette. And since she does organically love to dance and is good at it, mm. dancing acceptable bachelorette trait, getting your um doctor of dentistry or whatever it is at an Ivy League institution, not so much. I think the dentist is more fun than dancing, personally. And that's why I'll never be bachelorette. The only reason. (laughs) Next, they go to the Glendale Americana, 
a big outdoor mall, which is a lot less glamorous than Vegas to me personally, because it's about 15 minutes from my house. And it's where I go when I need to go to an Apple store. But it does have dancing fountains like the Bellagio, which is kind of a <laughs> motif of this season. <laughs> that is a really good point. <laughs> and general, like it is interesting. And again, like it feels like a scheduling thing went wrong that they go like the first week is Vegas dates and the second week is L.A. dates, which is unusual. I mean, I feel like they're trying something and whatever. The Americana is not. A great date location, period. Yeah. But the dates are supposed to build in excitement. Like, I could see why Ben C thought he was going to do something cool when the first week was going to Vegas in a private plane. True. But yeah, they just go to the Americana and have a flash mob. Ashley tells us a flash mob is a large group of people who assemble in a public place and surprise everyone with a choreographed dance. This moment really felt like Webster's defines flash mob as like they needed to <laughs> include it. For like exposition reasons, or maybe Flash Mom America needed them to. I mean, clearly they needed to include it for the historical record, since you didn't remember that this was. I mean, I, I remember what they are somewhat just, after the time of Flash Mobs. Yeah, but because like, you it, know the Bachelorette is always behind trends. Um, so they lie in the middle of the grassy area at the Americana, which you are not supposed to do. And Ashley's like, "Hey, you know it would be crazy." If we just started doing that dance I taught you with no music, just to dance. So Ben sees like, okay. But of course, once they start dancing, the music sets in and all these people join. The song they dance to is Like a G6, a song which Anne-Marie, I believe you would not sing for me a few episodes ago. <laughs> it's true. I It's <laughs> like I knew that you were going to hear it watching the show. <laughs> well, guess what? I heard it and I already forget it. Would you sing it for me now? Absolutely not. My position on singing on this podcast has not changed. That's your lane. I'm not going to step in it. I just think if you were more open to making yourself vulnerable by singing, it would prove that you're ready to have this process work for you. (laughs) (laughs) The good news is... I'm not looking for love, so I don't I need know. the process. Plus, I, then I kind of pulled a Brad Womack by like taking several different turns in that one sentence, which was nice. Yeah, you did. And I was prepared to like swat away all of them. So, mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Well, anyway, Anne-Marie, is it just me or did this flash mob suck? <laughs> is there a flash mob that doesn't suck? But, like, the dance that Ashley choreographed herself did not impress me. Maybe the dancers were good. Honestly, I wasn't really watching the dancers. I was, like, dancing to G6 in my bed. All right. (laughs) Um, Despite me not thinking it was very good, Ashley is exhilarated. And the best part of all was surprising Ben. And what a joy that she and Flash Mob America teamed up and pulled this off. Then there's another surprise. It's the Far East Movement, the group that sings the song they just danced to that you wouldn't sing for me. They, <laughs> they perform for Ashley and Ben, and they dance some more. Everyone chants for them to kiss, and then they do. Afterwards, they have dinner by a pool at a hotel downtown. There are many good restaurants like in the Americana, but I guess you need to be near a body of water just in case. So they... Change menus. Ben C doesn't seem to have a trauma to offer. So instead, he gives kind of a deranged speech about how much he loves love and he wants to be more in love than anyone in the history of the world. 
And he I was, thought he was going to get sent home. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> and she really did look flipped out. But she said that she loved his sincerity and gave him a rose. <laughs> like, not to get too, like, TikTok self-helpy about it, but, like, it felt like I don't uh, – I just was like, this is, like, very weird and love bomby. Mm. And it doesn't make any sense given that their interactions to this point have been – Doing a flash mob together. But it's also not at all specific to Ashley. It's just, it's love bombing no. to the concept of love itself. <laughs> yeah. So the group date card comes to the house and it says, make me laugh. Love, Ashley. Bentley tells us in voiceover that he wants to beat out everyone else for the rose. It's all fun and games to him. Ashley is picking up what he's putting out. Now he's going in for the kill. Ashley comes to the house in a giant limo to get the guys for the date. But first, Jeff needs to show her something. His face. Finally. He thinks <laughs> Ashley will be pleasantly surprised. After a big buildup about how true love is about what's on the inside, he takes off his mask and reveals he is some guy. <laughs> like With all the talk about being pleasantly surprised, you'd think it was going to be someone she knew like a high school boyfriend or perhaps Brad Womack. That would have been fun. (laughs) If this is Brad Womack doing a voice the whole time, that would have been like such a good twist. He's like, surprise, I'm single again. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it was just some guy. Um, Ashley's like, he's a lot older than I thought he'd be. So ultimately, this is a real fail. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he let this bit go on so much. Yeah. And like, and I, I think because Ashley validated him for the bit repeatedly by giving him first and second roses at the rose ceremony, which was yeah. uh, her most questionable decision in these in these episodes so far, including Bentley. Um, she just like had built it up too much. And then when he was just some guy and not like the most handsome man she'd ever <laughs> met, it like didn't work. And you already know he's going home with the end yeah. of this episode. After the big face reveal, they all go on the group date, which is unfortunately to the comedy store where Roastmaster General Jeff Ross will be leading them in a roast of Ashley. She tells the guys to not hold back. She can take it. Those are very famous last words. Roast is a date has come up again and again on The Bachelor, very recently on this season of Bachelor in Paradise. It never goes well because no one is funny and they just think they're supposed to be mean. (laughs) (laughs) Stop doing this. It's really, you can't, roasts, you need people who are good at comedy to do a roast. Otherwise, it's just hurting people's feelings. And I guess that's what they're banking on because this is reality television. Yeah. But like... It's not fun to watch as the audience. No. So in addition to Rose just never going well, this one specifically seemed doomed from the start because little boy William says he's been dying to do this his entire life. If he impresses Jeff Ross, he could achieve his dream. Yep. So somebody is about to take his eyes off the ball of what show we're on. I think like making it as a stand-up comedian from The Bachelor is even less likely than making it as a musician. And like the idea that he could be like discovered by Jeff Ross, like that Jeff Ross might be like, great Bachelorette Rose, why don't you come perform with me? (laughs) Well, future Bachelor Ben Flanick is impressed by Jeff Ross because he has hosted roasts for Pam Anderson and David Hasselhoff. (laughs) 
<laughs> Why what? did he only think of people who've been on Baywatch? Panic. <laughs> yeah. So unfortunately, Ashley goes in with the idea that there will be an ounce of truth to all the guys' jokes. So maybe she'll learn something about herself. Not a good roast attitude. Ashley really let herself get set up here. At first, we see guys who have aimed most of their jokes at each other. Then formally masked Jeff goes up and it's his big moment to show Ashley who he is now that he has revealed his true face. And for his set, he does this thing where he acts like he's spotting something on the ground and says, oh, Ashley, I just picked up your bleep. It's totally unclear what he's doing here. But then we cut to Ashley saying, I know I have small boobs. So are we to believe that his bit was pretending he like what picked up her boob from the ground? Did it fall off her body? What happened? Uh, maybe he's talking about like uh, like a chicken cutlet or something that you would like put in your bra to. But why would that be? Why would that out? be bleeped? I don't know. Like I had to imagine it's tit. <laughs> like what else would be bleeped out? I mean, I know a lot of men are like challenged when it comes to female anatomy, but <laughs> boobs being detachable—that's like yeah. No, sometimes they're so stuff. small they just slip off. <laughs> Like, if it were a chicken cutlet, that's a better joke. And you don't have to bleep that. At least, like, oh, like, one of your, like, chicken cutlets fell out. It's mean, but I get it. Yeah. So, like, everyone thinks this was such a bad move. But then many men go on to insult Ashley's boobs basically the same way. Nick says she's the first girl he's dated who's flatter than he is. Bentley says he knows 60% of the guys are here for the wrong reasons because 60% of the guys in America are boob guys. But at least he concedes her ass makes up for it. The two. I, okay, I'm not going to lie. I kind of liked Bentley's joke. I thought it was the best one. Yeah, I mean, at least it like tied in the idea of like guys not being here for the right reasons. He, he's not a comedian by any means, but I did feel like he understood the assignment. Yeah. And... Ashley is not bothered by jokes about her small boobs. No. And like, even off this one, she's like, Bentley, no. Like, he's just like, oh, Bentley. So the two themes seem to be that she has small boobs and is Brad Womack's reject. And that feels mean, but William thinks the guys are being too soft. This is a roast, goddammit, and he's a real comedian. For his turn, he says, Ashley, so beautiful, so gorgeous, so used. They say one man's trash is another man's treasure. I mean, I thought I was signing up to be with Emily or Chantal, and then Ashley's here. I mean, really, who gives a bleep? It's terrible. He keeps going. He says, I will tell the entire crowd to get out their cell phones to donate to the Ashley's boob fund. The audience is pretty silent and kind of booing him. Someone yells, no rose. William's like, yeah, I'm not going to get a rose. It's a roast, not a compliment Ashley night. And then he silently exits and Jeff Ross says, give it up for William. He's never been funnier, which is funny. (laughs) (laughs) Weirdly, the part that bothered me the most was him just him going. I mean, really, who gives a bleep? Because again, like that was a nothing that's just being mean. This is all being yeah. mean. But it's like, yeah. I'm just going to add on, like, who gives a fuck about her just to roast her. Yeah, no, I mean, he's done so many things here. He hit 
like her big insecurity by talking about Emily and Chantal. And, you know, I'm sure the producers fucking loved that because that's the theme of the season. And I thought that like amidst all of the small boob jokes, his is the only one that I actually found super offensive because it's like you have to get a boob job. The other one yeah. just kind of accepted the reality of her small boobs. It's actually kind of elegant in how well he is awful in so many ways with like so little time. Yeah. So then, like, fairly, I would say, Ashley goes backstage and cries because this sucks. Everyone was like, William, what were you thinking? And even Bentley, whose, like, drive in life seems to be to hurt Ashley for sport. Like, that was stupid. (laughs) And William's like, what? It's a roast. That's what a roast is. And it's like, my pet peeve, I think I I mentioned last episode. Like, I just hate when people say something mean is a joke and it's your problem for being offended. Like you can't it's it's not offensive because I've classified it as a joke. Yeah. So now Bentley apparently wants to mess with Ashley's head and also get the group date rose. So he goes to her while she's crying backstage, even though he doesn't find crying attractive at all. Ashley once again expresses her worry (laughs) that she let down the guys by being the bachelorette instead of Emily. Bentley's like, what? No, stop it. You have everything. Your body and face are beautiful. You're the best dancer in the world. You have small boobs, but they're great. And that makes her feel a lot better. And she's glad Bentley talked some sense into her. So after this, they have a real bummer of an after party, which seems to be in a lounge area. And I remember Allie had some lounge after parties. And I think the general rule is shaking out to be that men get swank lounges and women get hotel rooftop pools. Right, because there's no incentive to, like, get men into their bathing suits, Yeah, I guess. Unless we want to laugh at them for... Not being muscular. (laughs) Uh, Ashley tells the guys that making fun of her boobs is one thing, but nothing hurts her more than joking about how they wish the bachelorette was someone else, because that is the biggest insecurity. Somehow, only now does William seem to realize that in his pursuit of perfect comedy, he hurt Ashley. (laughs) He pulls her aside and tells her, the only thing I want to do is make people laugh every single day. That's all I care to do. After it was all said and done, I wasn't even thinking about you and your feelings. I was just thinking about what would make people laugh. Like, this is a result (laughs) of only thinking about what would make people laugh. I don't think he has a future as a stand-up. But, like, also, would it kill you to say, I'm sorry, little boy Willie? Because it's like, (laughs) he doesn't even wait for her to respond. He's just like, well, there's no way I can make this up to you. All I can do is pack up and go home. And he, like, walks out. And, like, sits down on a bench and is like, God, like, I don't deserve a second chance. Like, if she gave me a second chance, everything would be different. And, like, he never let her say anything. And now Ashley (laughs) seems to feel even worse that William just ran away instead of comforting her. Because all she wants is for a guy to say, Ashley, that was so wrong. I wanted you to be the bachelorette more than anyone on earth. He just fumbles this so bad and then like goes around crying about how he doesn't deserve Ashley anymore after the terrible thing that he's done. And all this is doing to me is validating that it wasn't really a joke and he really did want the bachelorette to be Emily or Chantal. And he's like looking for an out. That's what it makes this look like. It seems like he's walking off the show here. And, like, maybe that was the plan. Yeah. But then he appears later at the rose ceremony. 
With no explanation. So Yeah, they never follow up on this, which is weird. Also, finally, like no one is getting that they all they needed to is tell Ashley they want her to be Bachelor the most. Finally, Ryan P does it. And they kiss and she feels better. Then Bentley pulls Ashley to like mess with her some more, I guess. Because Ashley is feeling so vulnerable and open, she decides to tell him how she was contacted about him before the show. She says she wasn't sure if she wanted him there at all, but she wanted to give him a chance because she felt something for him, but she's scared he could be the person to hurt her. And then she makes like a cute face, like she needs to undercut this slightly confrontational moment by being cute. Bentley acts like it's no big deal. and He correctly guesses that it was Michelle Money who said something and says nothing Michelle could say would apply to them. And then Ashley ends up begging him to stay again says if he left, it would be harder than anything she went through on Brad's season. Doesn't Bentley feel their connection? Bentley says yes, and Ashley makes another cute face. She totally trusts him now, and she cuddles him. Meanwhile, Bentley is like, man, that was a close one. She's head over heels for me, though. And like he's smug, but Ryan P. gets the rose for saying the thing she needed to hear, and then Bentley is like surprised and annoyed. And he's like, that's it. I'm checking out. Let's have a little sidebar about Bentley now. <laughs> yes. We've been putting off like a full Bentley convo, like kind of for this moment. What are we going to start with? Uh, well, so, like, there's a lot. <laughs> so I'm really not super clear here on what Bentley's goal is and what the show's goal is for Ashley is see like he keeps saying oh I'm gonna go in and mess with her but like the only thing he's really doing to mess with her is like stuff that she'll understand seeing the show later like all he does when he says he's gonna mess with her is like be nice to her right and then he talks shit about her in his items and I don't like so what what he's doing to her is being two-faced okay so a couple of things about how Bentley handles all of this. Ashley does not discover what's going on in Bentley's confessionals until she sees the show. So when she's Bad. doing her like when she's doing her first week of press, like doing interviews the night after the or the like day after the premiere and that whole week, those interviews get really overshadowed by people like playing clips of Bentley and her having to explain them. And like that ends up being the only thing that she talks about, like instead of whatever relationship she's in or, you know, and so being just sort of like smacked with this. So Chris Harrison does like a whole bunch of interviews and he writes in his blog about Bentley a bunch this week. And Yay. the narrative that he puts to it is that everybody was trying to warn Ashley. Um, Michelle Money was trying to warn Ashley. Chris was trying to warn Ashley. The producers were trying to warn Ashley. Everyone was trying to tell Ashley that this guy is bad news and he's not here for you. And everybody knew it because he was being so open about it in his confessionals. And um, Ashley would not listen, would not look at, like, would not look at the red flags. Ashley was just like, determined to follow through on this. So in the sort of press around Bentley, Bentley is being portrayed as proof 
that Ashley makes bad decisions and is bad and doesn't know how to be a good bachelorette because she can't see through this and she won't listen to any good advice. So that's the narrative on the show side. On the more sort of like recap and conversation side, the narrative about Bentley is some sort of ironically that people think that Bentley is trying to do a Michelle money Mm -hmm. where he's trying to play a character in his ITMs and then like acting just normal with with Ashley. And it's like not working for people. A lot of people are like, he seems like really villainous, but like more he's just annoying. Right. And he doesn't he's like not as good a villain as Wes because Wes seemed like more sincere. He seems like he's like playing it up. He's too arch. Yeah. And so, and like I don't I don't know because like Bentley is very nice to Ashley in all of their interactions. Yeah. But then we immediately cut to him saying he doesn't mean it. And so I think like the difference between him and Michelle is that Michelle's like let's call it snark <laughs> was targeted at the, the other, other women. women. And Bentley's is not targeted at the other men, except insofar as he repeatedly says he just wants to beat them because he's a competitive guy. It's all targeted at Ashley. And so, like, strategically, I don't like if Bentley is trying to play a villain, he's doing it wrong Mm -hmm. because the way that you succeed as a villain in The Bachelor is you create enemies in the house, but enough of a connection with the lead that they drag you along so that you can play the villain game with the people in the house, right? You're not playing the villain game with the lead. Or maybe this is another thing where it's just like a difference between The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, where bachelors are respected and bachelorettes are trashed. Well, like, the thing about the villain arc for Bentley is it seems like the show wants him to be the villain, he wants him to be the villain, but Ashley is not letting him be the villain. Like, after Ashley hears that thing from Michelle, it's almost like it doesn't matter at all. Like, it doesn't Mm -hmm. make any difference until she says in this moment, by the way, I heard bad things about you, but I've already made up my mind that, like, I like you anyway. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like the production was expecting more of a cat and mouse game. And perhaps Bentley was, too, because he seems really excited about the idea of, like, like, messing with people's heads and, like, being 10 steps ahead of everyone else. And he doesn't really get to do that. And, like, right, because Ashley is, like, in on him immediately. Yeah. It almost seems like because she was warned about him, he's not, like, that much better looking than everyone else. I don't think he's good looking at all. No. Like, he looks looks the same as every other one. I like his hairstyle a little better than a lot of them. He's like Greg, but he has the hair of a Ken. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I wonder because he does bail the second he finds out of that Michelle money warned her, and like I wonder if it's because like the villain arc is over for him at that point because like the thing came out and what more is there for him to do? Yeah, but yeah, it's a very interesting. First of all, I thought of Bentley when you're talking about how this is like, like seeds of Trump are starting to like be planted (laughs) throughout the world because like Trump for Bentley, it seems like the cruelty is the point. (laughs) Like Craig M before him. (laughs) (laughs) But like, yeah, he 
he seems excited about playing games with people. But when it comes down to the moment that he's playing games, all he's doing is like being nice. And he doesn't ultimately have the patience for it. Like when she when the game is up. Yeah, he's like, like simultaneously here, he decides that he is done with this because he doesn't get a group date rose because Ashley has told him about Michelle yeah. And like, I don't know, because because it's working too well and Ashley is falling for him. Yeah. Like, it's like he loves the idea that like he's tricking her. But then when he realizes like he kind of isn't and she's just falling for him normally, he's like, this is boring. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. Like, And in terms of like the production side of it, like, first of all, huge LOL to like everyone tried to warn Ashley because. You literally have him on tape. Like, if you really wanted to show <laughs> Ashley, you're filming him saying this stuff. <laughs> Roll yeah. the tape. And like, yeah, I there's no real sense to me of what they were hoping for and ways they might have steered him. He's just kind of like cartoonishly evil. He goes back and forth between like, I'm not into this. I don't find her attractive. Um, I don't like kissing her, but like, I'm gonna make her horny. I, I tricked her. I'm annoyed. She's crying. Like it's, he doesn't seem to have a consistent plan. No, and he, he is not doing a good job promoting his business. <laughs> it hasn't come up at all. And like, that's what Michelle says that he's only there to promote his business. All I know is that he runs a family fun center. I don't know what that is. And he never names it. No. Fortunately, now we have a lot more Bentley coming up. So we'll check in after this next section. The next day, Ashley is set to have her first one-on-one with her future husband, JP. But first, she needs to walk by the pool and think about how much she likes Bentley. But Bentley is still upset that Michelle tried to sabotage his chances last night. It was really funny to me how he was like, Michelle tried to sabotage me last night. Michelle didn't do anything last night. You just found out that Michelle said something like weeks ago last night. Like it really spoke to his like needing to feel like the center of this like three dimensional chest. Mm -hmm. And like all it is is like one lady texting another lady and that second lady not caring. (laughs) Now Bentley says he's not feeling this. It's a waste of time. He's getting on the first plane back. I suspect it's not so much that he's suddenly not feeling it. It's more that like the Michelle thing coming out made this all less fun. But yeah, it's just like. It's never clear what his plan is. He really wants all the roses, but like if he can just go, I'm not feeling this anymore and bail. Like, what was he looking to feel? What are you trying to feel, Bentley? Yeah, because it's clearly not, like, attraction to or affection for Ashley. No. It's something for him. But we don't know what, like, we don't know what it is. And, like, he doesn't, he didn't stop feeling anything for Ashley here because he never felt anything for Ashley. He he stopped feeling the excitement of of messing with her. Tricking a lady. And, like, if all he wanted to do, all he wanted to do is mess with her, like, he's more well set up to do it, I think, because she's, like, really into him and the what obstacles yeah. are in the way. And I mean, like, if if what he's trying to do is, like, torture Ashley and he is, like, so clearly, like, miles ahead of all of these other guys right now, like, wouldn't, wouldn't the ultimate villain move be to go all the way to the end 
and then like dump her, right? Yeah. Like, like he's not even pulling like a Frank. No. He's he's just leaving. And I, think that's I, why I don't I, understand. I think Frank, that's why Frank will always be my forever favorite villain because it was much more nuanced. This is just an evil guy. Yeah. Right. And and Frank, like, he there, like, there were always signs with Frank that something was wrong, but it it like it built slowly over the course of a season. And Bentley here has burnt out in three episodes. And you can't tell what he was doing. He's mostly just annoying. We didn't even get a chance to see Bentley in a hot spring surrounded by steam. (laughs) But like, so there's one path that Bentley's plan was to just be evil for sport. Let's say it was just to have fun. Because like there is a part where he's like, I'm ready to go play blackjack. Then it should be the easiest thing in the world for him to just have some fun because the Michelle thing's out of the way. She doesn't care. So, like, he could just go all over the world doing whatever the hell he wants. What was Bentley's game? Yeah, it makes no sense. And, like, again, if he really wanted to advertise his family fun center, then all these confessionals of how much he loves messing with a lady's head. Like, who's going to be like, I really want to go to that guy's place with my kids. Yeah. What is his game? I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, he definitely doesn't seem, make himself seem like someone you want to entrust children's welfare to. Yeah. But I do think that, while I don't totally understand what his goal was, I think the Michelle text made him realize he's not as in control of this as he thought he was, and that's why he mm-hmm. wants to peace out. Maybe there's something that his ex-wife knows about him. Yeah. That, like, is a bigger deal than what Ashley told him. And he's, like, concerned about that, like, maybe Ashley's not. I don't know. And he said, like, what happened with her doesn't apply to us. Like, but yeah, perhaps he now is worried that production is sitting on some information that could jeopardize a certain family fun center. <laughs> God, at least so weird. Yeah. And not in a way I liked. No. He wasn't fun. He was... He wasn't successful at, like, playing art. He was just annoying. So, Bentley dramatically packs up his bags and tells the guys that he's going home to be with his daughter... They're all like, wow, yeah, totally get it. Like, you're a really good guy. Best of luck. And he's like, ha ha, those fools, they all believed me. But like, to me, it read so much more like they're all jazzed that the front runner is leaving. Yeah. So they're all like, yeah, 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 really doing the right thing. What a good guy. (laughs) (laughs) Bentley is smug that Ashley likes him the most, and he doesn't care about her at all, and no one knows. He played everyone. No one's ever done this before. And he (laughs) (laughs) He reiterates many times that he does not find Ashley attractive at all. He knew he wouldn't be into her and he is not. And now he has to say goodbye and it's going to be annoying because she's going to cry. But like he can't keep doing this because he doesn't want to. (laughs) He's very like, well, like I just can't do this anymore because I want to (laughs) leave. Yeah, none of the things he says here make his motivations any clearer. (laughs) No. 
So Bentley goes over to Ashley's bachelorette house and she immediately suspects something's up because it's never a good sign when someone shows up unexpectedly. It was when Rated R showed up. But it was nefarious. A nefarious good sign. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you show up at the bachelorette house, you're either leaving, you're a villain, or both. <laughs> True. <laughs> Ashley quickly guesses that he's leaving and she asks if he's coming back. He says no. At first he seems okay. But the scene just keeps going and going and we intercut between him telling Ashley how much his daughter needs him and then him gloating about how Ashley totally fell for it and how he's just not into her at all. And it's horrible. It feels really bad. And I think to me the most horrible part was he really kept like forcing physical intimacy on her. Mm-hmm. Like an intense way. And then it's like intercut with him saying how he's not attracted to her. But like there's one part where like she is like they're on like a big sectional and she's kind of like in like a corner where like parts of the sectional meet. And so like she's kind of flat up against like a surface. And then he just like kind of like goes on top of her in like a weird hug thing. And it's like really just. She he overpowers her in a way. Mm-hmm. She's clearly very attracted to him and like is happy to have physical contact with him. But like it's especially upsetting when it's intercut with him saying that he's not attracted to her and also that he just wants to get out of here. But he just keeps it going and going and keeps like touching her. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like this physical contact plus manipulation thing that's yeah. going on where like we, it's not genuine. So like Ashley is like into it and going with it, but like she doesn't know exactly what it is that she's into and going with. Yeah. So it's like it, it feels it feels violating on that register where like you don't know what the situation actually is. There's this really gross part where he starts like kissing her neck and then in his ITM, he's like. I was just trying to turn her on a little bit. It's like so, so weird. gross and punishing and weird. And like, and again, he keeps saying, oh, I'm so not attracted to her. Though at one point he does concede that like he would hook up with her. She's just not the kind of girl you marry like Emily is. <sighs> yep. It's horrible. And despite how much he just can't stand her, doesn't care about her in real time, he's like, can I call you? And then he also says how he hopes this isn't the end of them. Just a dot, dot, dot. And he just keeps it going and going and telling us how annoying it is and how annoying it was. It was dragged out for so long because he was already so checked out. At the end, Ashley's like, how will I do this now? And he assures her that they'll both be okay. And he kisses her and then he finally leaves. And Ashley's really upset and she climbs into her bed and sobs. She's not sure how she can do this now. And it's raining again. Because, like, it's a weird amount of rain for L.A. But also, it represents Ashley's emotions. Exactly. Ashley says her heart is broken, and she thought Bentley would be the person at the end of this, and now she's not sure how she will go on. Will she have enough time to heal and then fall in love again with someone else? Luckily... Her date with future husband, JP, is a classic hangout at the house date, almost as though some higher power knew ahead of time that Ashley might have a hard day. (laughs) JP 
recipe comes with flowers already prepared that Ashley could be in a bad place because of the roast and Bentley leaving. He gives her the space to talk about everything and then resolves to do his best to keep her mind off it and cheer her up. Ashley decides they should put on sweats to be comfy and cozy, and she even wears glasses. And then she's like, thanks for letting me look like this on our first date. Like, she looks adorable. Yeah. But again, the show wants to reinforce that Ashley's not beautiful enough to be the Bachelorette, even though she is beautiful. So <laughs> how could you like me? I wear pajamas and glasses. <laughs> so they just have like a nice time at the house. She says again how afraid she was of disappointing the guys. And JP tells her how much he wants to be here. And she feels better and gives JP the rose and promises him a fun next date. And she admits that JP is a better kisser than Bentley, which good for him. It's still raining at the next cocktail party. The guys are all gathered waiting for Ashley, who looks at their photos in the photo room and thinks. Ashley says last week she saw her husband in this room. Now she doesn't know what she sees. She turns Bentley's photo face down and cries as Chris Harrison walks up. Then Chris Harrison does something wild. He does his job. (laughs) (laughs) So like, even though we're... Freshly off our last performance as Chris and Brad Womack and Emily, this scene is so interesting and twisty that I think it calls for another performance and what we're now calling Frank Newshafer Theater (laughs) in honor of Frank. So to set the scene, Ashley has just placed Bentley's photo face down. She cries. Chris Harrison walks up. So, rough week. Rough week. Because of Bentley. A couple little things happened. The big one is Bentley leaving. I walk in and you're looking at his picture. You're putting on a brave face for me, but I can tell in your eyes right now that you're hurting and you're like this close to tears. I don't know why. Like, what was it about this particular guy that just got under your skin? I can't tell you. I never thought it would be this hard so early. You know, I never thought I'd go through what I went through last time here. What do you mean? Just like feeling like this broken hearted, you know? You know what? You know how you always said to me, did you love Brad? You love Brad. You know what? I think I love that guy. How short is that? Like, but I mean, I don't doubt you, but I'm just wondering, like, was it the idea of him? Or maybe the whole thing was kind of forbidden and because you were warned about him from the start? I'm trying to figure that out, too. You confronted him this week, right? About the text messages and everything? Mm Mm-hmm. What did he say? He kind of reassured me that wasn't the case. Yeah? But maybe Michelle was right. You think she was? I don't know. In my gut, I don't think she was. But looking back on it now, maybe... Maybe she was. You know, when this whole thing started, obviously we didn't foresee this coming. But you said I'm going to open myself up. No regrets. I mean, the thing is, that might lead you to be kicked in the gut. Mm-hmm. And it has. For me, the hardest part was the goodbye. It was left with a dot, dot, dot. So there's no closure there. That's such a guy thing to say. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because if it was open-ended, he'd be like, I'm going to try and come back. I'm going to fight like hell to come back. I'm going to, you know. Yeah. He didn't. He left. Mm-hmm. 
He could have stayed because a real man would have moved heaven and earth. He would have done everything he could to fight for you. If he wanted to be here. Yeah. 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 Because there's guys in this other room who have moved heaven and earth. They've quit their lives. They've changed everything to be here for you. It's another thing. And he obviously took up a spot in your heart, which is unfair. I think he took it with him, too. I I fell for him. I I did. Like, I felt like he was my guy. And now walking into the room tonight, I'm going to feel so alone. I'm sorry. Who would have thought this? Huh? Yeah. I've never seen you this upset. I know. It's really taken a hold of me. And you know what's bothering me the most right now is like, it's unfair to the other guys. These guys are patiently sitting there. I know. Dying to see you tonight. I know. In your mind, what's the perfect scenario? What do you want to do tonight? Don't know. I told you this when we started. There's no rules. We don't. That's why I'm asking. What do you want to do tonight? This is up to you. I don't think a cocktail party tonight. Okay, straight to the rose ceremony. Do you know, by the way, what you're going to do? Do you know who's going home tonight? I think so, but I need to think about it a little bit more. Okay, I understand. All right, well, now you have a lot to think about. I do. I'm going to go talk to the guys, tell them your decision, tell them there will be no cocktail party tonight, and I'll see you out there. Thanks, Chris. It's all good. Thanks. Okay, so that I found fascinating. Such a weird scene. And like, like, this does feel like a world, and I don't think this is the case, where Chris Harrison is really trying to get her there. Mm-hmm. Like, I would believe that narratively they were ready for her to realize he was bad news and move on, and she's not doing that. Yeah. And he's really, like, trying to get across to her, like, you have to keep the show going. You cannot quit now. But, like, he's doing such work connecting the dots. Like, huh? Like, yeah. you confronted him last night, huh? And now he's gone? <laughs> yeah. And then, like, if if he, de- like, if he deserved to be here and he deserved your heart like that, wouldn't he be trying to come back? Like, he really... And isn't really that dot, dot, dot thing it. bullshit? It does never seem to occur to Ashley the coincidence that as soon as she says, hey, I heard bad things about you, he's like, I got to go be with my daughter. Yeah. I, I don't want to believe that Ashley is just like this oblivious. But maybe she is. I mean, I think, okay, like, I think that this makes sense when you like someone and your friends are like, that is terrible. And they try to talk to you about why it's terrible. And you have 11 million of those conversations. Like, not that I know anything about this. And you no. just like cannot hear what your friends are saying <laughs> for like years and years and years and years and years. That was like, like I was trying to channel that energy in like having this conversation where you just are like, and your performance this person is like, yes, like <laughs> this person is telling me that like, but like they don't know me. They don't know my heart. They don't know my relationship. Fuck off. Um, and so like I, I, I this Ashley's side of it rings very emotionally true to me. Chris tr- getting her from that back to like the job that she is supposed to be doing is the bachelorette. It's just it's a level of skill and finesse that we don't usually see. He usually brings a sledgehammer to his conversations. Mm -hmm. 
This was good. This was like this was slick. Good. This feels like it does feel like he's on a real upswing since being briefly replaced by Jamie Green. <laughs> it's a really interesting scene. Yeah, this is one of this is a great bit of scene work. This should be studied at our alma mater, USC Film School. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a classic. Yeah. Please no scene. Yeah, but like yeah. It's just it was so interesting to see him as the instrument of the show go out there and come so close, like really, really trying to help her connect the dots that she only somewhat seems to get to. It's like to put it in like your analogy of like going through a thing with like a terrible relationship. And it's hard to be rational and it's easy to say I would do better than when you're in there. But like it's like imagine if like like the guy's brother came to you with his diary and like and was like flipping through it and was like <laughs> i don't know like you know, you notice the timing of this <laughs> like she's talking yeah. to someone who has so much information i feel like we have right. there are a lot of bachelor people through the years who try to like who seem to keep on their radar how much power the people they talk to have. And Ashley does not seem to be getting the signal like, oh, he knows something more than I do. Yeah. Yeah. And it does like, like it does feel like Chris is trying to hint to her that there's something she doesn't know about what's going on with Bentley. You know, we, we love and hate when Chris Harrison has a secret. Mm. And this is a case where Chris Harrison having a secret it's juicy. In some ways, he's trying to share his secret. Yeah. This is like he leading one of the girls to the proposal site being like, so, um, you sure you <laughs> want to go up there? <laughs> yeah. Basically. <laughs> so Chris goes to the guys and delivers the news that there's no cocktail party tonight. Ashley will talk to them, but it will be at the rose ceremony, which is right now. So Ashley comes out to explain to them why there's no cocktail party. And I think we all could have guessed the reason. It's because she's upset because her insecurities about no one wanting her to be the bachelorette were touched on. She's looking forward to moving on and moving forward with these guys. She gives the first rose to Constantine and the last rose to little boy William. Most notably going home is Jeff with the mask. He seems to admit that the mask didn't work out as planned, but I think it was probably just as much of a blunder to take off the mask and then immediately <laughs> insult her body. <laughs> Jeff throws his mask in the fire and says he'd be totally bummed out if he spent the rest of his life alone. And, you know, I think that's fair. <laughs> Ashley cheers to the guys. She knows she hasn't been her bubbly self lately. And that's what she owes them. She doesn't say that, but it's implied. She knows there are good things ahead. She has faith because she knows this process worked. Anne-Marie? Mm-hmm. What age the best? <laughs> okay. I've never been so miserable watching three episodes of The Bachelor. Mm-hmm. And so my age the best is not from these episodes. Okay. It is from... Uh, the Entertainment Weekly recap of the premiere. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is in between a bunch of like very poorly aged uh, g- 
gay jokes. Mm-hmm. EW recapper Christian Baldwin described Ashley and JP's first cute interaction about the cupcakes as looks like a match made in disastrous first marriage heaven. <laughs> that's my <laughs> and that's wow. my age the best. <laughs> wow, that's so interesting too because like they're the <laughs> only big bachelor divorce. So it's not like it's a classic trope of like, oh, they're going to have right. a bad first marriage. Right. And I mean, I don't even know how bad their marriage is. I just know that it fine. ended. Yeah. You know, they had a couple kids. They appeared on a bunch of things. I think they did go on like marriage boot camp or something. But I just thought that that was wild that from one conversation, she's like, they're going to get married and then divorce. <laughs> she must have had inside scoop that he wins. But still, like, assuming they get divorced wild um i also said the frequently ashley saying her husband is in that room because he was yeah and i found that fun too because you know we've i've discussed how it's one of my favorite tropes but we felt like she was saying it more than usual didn't it and the other person who felt like said it the most was jason and they were both right yeah Whereas I don't think Jake and Allie and Brad, they said it, but not as much. Yeah, not as not with the same conviction. Age the worst. Okay, well. There's a lot. There's a lot. Um, I, you know, I figured I would have talked about how much I hated everything about how Ashley is framed, everything about Bentley, everything about the stupid jokes the guys make. So I actually have like some kind of trivial ones this week. Oh, that's fun. To be a little silly. I like I can't put my finger on exactly why I feel like this has aged poorly, but little boy Williams job Chiron says cellular, cellular phone, phone salesman. <laughs> I know I almost put that too. But then I was like, you know, cell phones are still really in. Right. I mean, like people still obviously buy cell phones all the time but something about cellular phone salesman as a job title seems really it sounds um, like saying like beeper salesman you know there's like more of a like and my business is cell phones yeah like blackberry salesman yeah you know it just it has this like air of air of days gone by yeah Um, yeah and then my last one it's not as funny um it is that fuck what's his name the roast guy Jeff Ross. Jeff Ross. It is that Jeff Ross um, has been like accused and on trial over like statutory rape and having a sexual relationship with a 15 year old when he was 34. Oof. Okay. Um, I had some serious ones and not serious ones. My most serious one, the Mandalay Bay Hotel with like the big concert venue was where there was like that giant shooting in Las Vegas like where like where like the guy shot out of the window at the concert and it was like it was the deadliest mass shooting in in American American history history. and there's even a part which which is like a competition they're like wow like look at this window it overlooks the concert venue and it it was yeah that's wild um finally one of William's big impressions is Linda Richmond from Coffee Talk like, come on, that was old in 2011. Like, that's <laughs> no, no, that's not a topical impression at all. Chris Harrison watch. As we said, he's on top of his game, you know? Yeah, he really accomplished more as host in this episode than he has in all other episodes we've recapped 
on this podcast combined. You know, I mean, we're generally not a pro Chris Harrison podcast, but we must be fair and objective. And this was some good hosting and some good manipulating. Yeah, I mean, I think we can't overlook the fact that what he did here, you know, I think he's correct about Bentley, Mm -hmm. but we can't Mm -hmm. let that overshadow the fact that he is also mind-fucking Ashley on behalf of the producers into doing what they need her to do to make their television show. And as I said before, they could all have been like, let's roll back the tape and showed her. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Right. And as I said earlier, I, I mentioned, I'm looking to see if I have like a particularly good quote But Chris went really hard in the press on how Bentley was Ashley's fault and Ashley did this to Ashley. Um, And like he also like is a little bit defensive of Bentley in his blog. He's he's like, I have no problem with him coming on the show. Even if he wanted to meet Emily, you never know what could happen. I have no problem with him leaving. I don't have a problem with him using his daughter as an excuse. It's just that boys will be boys. It's just that yeah, basically, yeah, basically the only thing he objected to was like the dot, dot, dot thing, making what? Ashley feel like they, they had a they had a chance. How about saying um, I just wanted to turn her on a little bit as he was dumping her? I mean, I think that that is encapsulated in what his complaint is. His complaint is him leading Ashley on while dumping her. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he just like says all of this stuff about how this was Ashley's fault and Ashley wouldn't listen. And um, he also wrote, my talk with Ashley in the deliberation room for the rose ceremony was a tough one. Her greatest insecurity and fear was realized. And at that point, she didn't believe in herself or that this could work for her. The only problem is she doesn't get much time to heal her heart and put things in perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, And so basically he says that he was trying to speed up the timeline because – there were 12 guys in the other room. They had to get to it. Come on. We got a show to make. You got to heal. Yep. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the scene was the big centerpiece of Chris Harrison's journey here. But I felt right from the jump, he was a lot more, like, dramatic and, like, here to lead the proceedings. One of his open lines that really struck me was, We've seen enough relationships to know that real love is a fragile thing. It can fall apart, leaving heartbreak and haunting regret. But Chris Harrison. And again, I say, like, his divorce is coming up really, really soon. We don't know when the separation starts. I do think he seemed happier. Yeah, I gotta (laughs) say, like, his, like, his mood is definitely up. And I, I, I do feel like we've got to put this kind of in the perspective of Chris Harrison entering a new chapter in his life on multiple mm-hmm. fronts. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's wild. He's coming into his power. He's rising to the sun. And soon it will be too close to the sun. <laughs> yep. Well, Anne-Marie, I think what we can conclude is that it was Ashley's fault it didn't work out with Brad because she was too closed off. And it was Ashley's fault it didn't work out with Bentley because she was too open to him. (laughs) That was my takeaway as well. Ashley Mm. is just not good at relationships. God. But, But I mean, she does end up married 
is one of like the most successful relationships, even though it ends in divorce, because that still counts. I was thinking, I do feel like a lot of our bachelorette marriages specifically, because I mean, there aren't that many bachelor ones. Yeah. Are ones that like the woman was really treated like shit throughout the season. Like people think that Desiree is only with Chris because Brooks left it in a devastating way. People think that Rachel's only with Brian because Peter left in a devastating way. It does feel like the women that are like dragged through it the most, like, like seem like, no, like this, this is my guy. He's nice to me. Leave us alone. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think people often say about The Bachelorette that like women will make the choices earlier, more decisively and more successfully because they're better at not being distracted mm-hmm. or like, you know, other gender essentialist things. Right. And I think this point that you're making is interesting because it isn't except for like what Jojo and Jordan it isn't the ones where there was a laser focus on the guy that yeah, she Jojo ended and up with. Yeah, Jojo are a real exception to the rule in just about every way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So I think, you know, next week, I'm not looking forward to finding out what fresh hell they put our girl Ashley through. But I will be here to defend her and tell her that she's great. <laughs> and I'll help. <laughs> If you like our podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to help more people find us. For our fun content and hot takes, you can follow us on social media at Bachelor and Retrospect on Instagram and TikTok and at Batch Retrospect, Batch spelled like fuck, on Twitter. Bachelor and Retrospect is edited and mixed by Aaron Steinchester and produced by all of us. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.